Dr. Erica Copeland gets it done. She is a mother of five with a career that spans public health, clinical research, and several years as an entrepreneur. She completed her doctorate while she was a busy mom, wife, and full-time employee, by the way. She rose up the ranks in her first clinical research position from research assistant to research director and started her own clinical research business in her early 30s. During this episode of the Age Has No Limit podcast, you'll learn how society's expectations impacted some of her decisions and how her last executive position felt like she was losing herself. You'll also learn how her father, who was a paraplegic, and her mother, who worked in healthcare, inspired her career choices. How African Americans' long held mistrust of the medical system inspired her decision to start a clinical research business in her 30s. And you'll also learn a little bit about Erica, the woman. You'll enjoy this episode of the Age Has No Limit podcast. If you're watching the video podcast, don't forget to, to subscribe and turn on your notifications. Listening from your favorite streaming platform, please subscribe for more amazing stories of people just like Dr. Erica Copeland that show us that age has no limit. Stick around to learn more about Dr. Erica Copeland. It's the Age Has No Limit podcast. We're here to show and prove that your age shouldn't prevent you from designing and living the life you want. I'm your host, Patrice Davis. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Age Has No Limit podcast. Today, I'm joined by Erica Copeland, and I am so happy to have Erica with us. And just like several of the other conversations that I've recorded, I'm going to be recording this with a very, very good friend. So you're going to see us, you know, just kind of, um, you know, really enjoying the self and all the smiles you see are natural um, and authentic because um, we've been good friends for about 20 years yes. or more. Yeah. Yes, 20 years. Um, so I'm surrounded by good people, right? So, um, so I would love for you, Erica, to tell us a little bit about where you're from. I am from Atlanta. Well, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida originally, mm -hmm. um, but I grew up here in Atlanta, um, mm -hmm. basically in the Stone Mountain area. Went to high school mm -hmm. um, in Decatur and then graduated from a high school in uh, Stone Mountain mm -hmm. and then went away for college and mm -hmm. have come back and have uh, settled here and grew my family here as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Erica, I did as much, I did not know that Erica was, I didn't know you actually were raised here. I knew, I thought it was all Florida yeah, until yeah. college. Okay. Yeah, I moved here, my family moved here when I was in fifth grade. So I went to, finished elementary, you know, in, in Florida, elementary ended at fifth grade. Mm -hmm. When you move to Georgia, elementary keeps going. So I actually mm -hmm. had to start back and keep going through elementary, like through, I think it's like seventh grade, and then you go to high school, middle mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I came here, I graduated, um, went to Columbia High School in Decatur, mm -hmm. and then um, transitioned like 11th grade and graduated from Redan High. In oh, interesting, interesting. It was Redan then, my kids say it's Redan now. Yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> so Redan. I yes. think I know it as, yeah, Redan. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and so I believe you're an only child, correct? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. So what was like? What was that like? How do you think that that, um, you know, formed your life or formed your decisions or um, informed your decisions? It was. I mean, it, it was challenging. I mean, when you're an only child, that's all you know. I had mm -hmm. a host of cousins um, that I grew up with, you know, as we were when I was younger. Um, 
but it was me, my mom, and my dad. You know what I mean? So I was always a third. I saw a comedian the other day talking about only children saying that we really are a third wheel to a couple, basically. And that's kind of how, how it was. Um, but it was fine. You know, I was um, doted on by my grandmother, um, who I love dearly, who was passed on. And my mom and I are best friends and had been for a very long time. It's, it's um, you know, now transitioning now to a, a different type of relationship. But it was great. I yeah. enjoyed it. You know, it made me very headstrong. I'm a, a Leo woman. Mm-hmm. So I'm already, you know, mm-hmm. pretty headstrong and driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being an only child allowed me to just kind of foster that personality a lot more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do early in your career? Uh, earlier in my career, I started out in clinical research and clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Um, I had aspirations to go to medical school. And so once I uh, graduated from from college, I did um, clinical research research and clinical trials as my research sector to to enter into medical school. And so that was the the idea. So I did that for the first part of my career for maybe 10, 15 years. Um, I started out as a research assistant, um, learning um, patient recruitment, uh, subject recruitment, and um, filling out data collection, data analysis forms and things of that nature. And with that same company, I actually grew and um, progressed through the ranks and became the director of that center mm-hmm. by the time it was all kind of said and done. Um, and then after they closed down, actually started my own company in clinical research and clinical trials. And you started your own business. Yes, yes. yes I started my own company, Clinical Research Center of Atlanta is what it was. Um, and the, the focus for that was, the reason for that was that um, as I said, a, a number of um, African Americans take a lot of the medications that are there out there, but there weren't a lot of us participating in clinical trials, and a lot of that stems from you know a number of er- you know reasons, mm-hmm. mistrust of the government, Tuskegee you know experiments mm-hmm. and things of that nature, and so my thought process was that you know meeting with and um, bringing on African-American physicians, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, therefore, we started a company where, you know, we would um, help those physicians teach them one about clinical trials and clinical research, and then help them to recruit patients, um, teach them about, you know, um, medical record review and things of that nature, and then, you know, um, help them to recruit, help them to manage, and help them to run, and then post everything from pre-launch to post-launch activities. Mm, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I yeah. never thought about that, nor did I know any of the details about your work. So mm-hmm. I, again, mm-hmm. this is my homegirl. We hang out. We've been hanging out mm-hmm. for 20-something years, and it's it's during these conversations that I learned so much about, you know, just learn much more about um, the people that I'm working with mm-hmm. or that I'm that are participating in, in, our, in the podcast. Now... Um, I had never known that you were actually going out and meeting with, you know, the doctors and some of the other things. So you also led a global project team. You've managed clinical projects, had your own business, um, and you were the director of corporate strategy for a government contractor. Um, of all the positions you've held, which one do you think you enjoy the most and why? Um, so I've, I've enjoyed each of them really, um, but for different reasons, right? So for clinical trials and clinical research, I enjoyed that because that was working with individuals um, who had some type of chronic disease, some type of disorder, um, and helping them along with their families to understand the the purpose of clinical trials and, and the importance of them, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this stigma in the African American community around clinical trials, but 
realistically we need them right we need them in order to find new medications and um and, and new ways uh, to use those medications so that for me was important because it helped with the education of the families it helps with the education to the patient as well as to the physicians and staff so mm -hmm. a lot of times in, in our community didn't really know much about them either right um so so that was an important effort for me um in terms of education I enjoyed working in um, as the director of um, corporate strategy, growth, and operations. Um, I love that because I love public health, right? And so it, it all, I, you know, we mentioned earlier that I was, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was a paraplegic, um, meaning that he was paralyzed from the waist down, and my mom worked in the hospital for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I have been around health and medicine for, you know, for all of my life. And so, um, those parts of public health, looking at the individual versus the community versus the society versus the whole world, you know, each element um, I took to each one of those positions. So in the corporate strategy, growth and operations, that I wore more of a public health hat where I was able to do, you know, more research and um, more as a research scientist and, and studying a lot of disorders and diseases and you know things of that nature. Working and with that position, I worked uh, directly with the Centers for Disease Control mm -hmm. and Prevention, which is CDC, um, with the Department of Defense or DOD um, and NIH as well. And so that has some really, really important research aspects that that are just near and dear to my heart. So mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. and it, again, it, it's interesting that you mentioned how much. Um, your dad being a paraplegic and your mom being in the healthcare space and how much that actually influenced, mm -hmm. um, you know, sure. you, you know, number one, your career choice mm -hmm. and the fact that you enjoy your career choice, right. um, which right. is sort of the, um, un I would call it an sort of like an underflow of public health in almost all of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. however, you know, tell us, you know, how much of what you did in your early career? Um, and and I think I know the answer, but would love for you to provide mm -hmm. some more insight. It was driven by your own interest mm -hmm. and what was based on what others expected. Oh, that's hard. That's always Such a question. question. You know that just, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, was born in the 70s, 17. And the idea is go to school, you get a good job with good benefits and you stay there. Like I said, my mom was there at her position in her role for over 30 years at Emory University and um, it was just expected. I didn't think about whether I was going to college. I went to college. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about whether I was going back to, you know, get, you know, additional degrees. I went back and got additional degrees. I didn't do medical school, but I got a doctorate, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so our my my parents were my dad specifically <laughs> was very tough very very tough um i was always trying to make the right decisions make him proud um my mom was my number one fan so i don't really care what i did she was just like that's my baby you know <laughs> um so i think that Growing up in an environment where you're just expected to do more and be more um, led me to the decisions that I made. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a lot of individuals around me who, um, you know, were extremely wealthy. We were middle class, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I 
wasn't the first one to graduate from college, mm-hmm. but one of the, you know, one of the first mm-hmm. of, you know, my parents, my parents, my parents didn't graduate. They went, but they didn't, they did that infamous two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was for me, it was just like, that's just what it's expected in order to live a, a full and a fulfilling life mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You um, know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that it was expected and therefore you did it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. from our generation, mm-hmm. that's what we did. That's it was expected. Did. It wasn't, yeah. we, you know, we quite frankly, we didn't have as many choices. Right. Right. Um, right. And so that's something we also have to um, understand. And, and, you know, so that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You said that. Mm-hmm. So tell us why you decided to resign from your last position. I resigned. Um, I had resigned <laughs> once. And I was enticed to stay on, um, and it lasted for maybe about six months. Mm-hmm. And it, it it just wasn't the right. I, I don't know whether it wasn't the right role or it wasn't the right time mm-hmm. for me to be in that role. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was losing myself in in that position um, only because I mean it was. It happened. I took the position on during the pandemic. <laughs> I think I started there in like April of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so it was remote. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team, everyone was remote, you know, soon after. Um, and at the same time, we experienced a major flood in my home. Mm-hmm. And so our entire downstairs was pulled apart. I mean, like down to the cement, mm-hmm. uh, no kitchen, nothing. Mm-hmm. So you have six, um, we, so we have five children, um, and three of them were still at four of them were still at home at that time. One went ahead and moved out on his own. Mm-hmm. And he, he was just like, okay, I think now is the time for me to, you know, <laughs> uh, part ways. Mm-hmm. And so we have six of us in the home. So my mom now lives with us as well. All of us living upstairs mm-hmm. in our house during the pandemic, no downstairs. And I, my children are now in um, 11th and 12th, no, 10th and 11th grade and going to school remotely. Mm -hmm. We're all pinned upstairs and I'm held up in one, in my home office working Mm -hmm. from sunup to sundown. Mm -hmm. And I honestly feel like I missed most of the pandemic from a personal perspective. Um, I experienced it because because I was the director of strategy growth and operations, I I felt it hard with my public health hat on, mm-hmm. but not as a mom, as a daughter, as a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was uh, essential worker. Mm-hmm. So he was in and out. My mom and son were immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Um, my son has asthma. My mom's just older. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just too much. Mm-hmm. It was too much. I just, um, I felt like, Everything that I was doing, I was losing myself. The days were a blur. And I felt like at that point, it was just not a good role or match for me at that particular time in my life. What would you say was the final straw? Um, <laughs> I like that question. Um, I loved my CEO dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was great. Very smart woman, very driven. Um we were both the same sun sign so we were alike however she's ceo so i yield Mm -hmm. uh, where i need to yield i bob and weave where i need to bob and weave (laughs) i like that (laughs) um but it was just when um like i said the days were a blur i wasn't able to spend time with my family um and 
I was just tired. Mm -hmm. I was tired. I was exhausted. And when I became mentally fatigued to where I didn't feel like I was giving the position justice um, and it wasn't giving me what I needed, then it was time for me to go at that point where I wasn't, I was no longer excited to wake up in the morning and mm -hmm. see my team. I led the corporate team and I led, led teams in the field. And um, then I was also on contracts as well. I was writing proposals day in and day out. <laughs> Um, I was managing, you know, budgets and doing the invoice and writing up invoices. And so, I mean, I wore every hat in that company that I could wear outside of CEO. And it just became too much more than what I felt like doing. It was no longer making me happy or giving me joy. And mm -hmm. at that point, I decided to leave. Now, let's talk about the title, your title again. So as director of those corporate, three things, mm -hmm. corporate strategy, strategy, growth, growth, and operations and operations. Now think yeah. about all of that. That's typically two <laughs> yeah. to three positions. It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. That answers that question. Yeah. Yeah. That was really yeah. the, that's the answer to the question. When I said, what was your last straw? That's <laughs> that's <it. laughs> that was the answer to the question. I mean, cause it was developing strategies, meeting with clients and it's government contracting. So a lot of it is getting, getting business. I mean, that's how the company grows. You have to go out and get business. It was managing the teams, internal and external teams. It was watching the way that the business grew and, and then w watching the way that it operated, making mm -hmm. sure that everything, you know, all the balls stayed in the air. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just, 10 years ago, 15, maybe yeah. all day, mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. Not today. Not today. Not today. Three positions. Not today. Okay. <laughs> and one of the things I do want to kind of catch back on briefly is, so I remember when you explained to our, our group, um, you know, our group of, of friends that you had this experience with your downstairs, um, with your kitchen and mm -hmm. the flood. Mm -hmm. And I think what I am thinking about is how important it is sometimes for us to really listen to our friends, mm -hmm. because I did not realize, nor did I actually think about what does this look like for your daily life mm -hmm. when your entire downstairs is um, inoper inoperable, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and everybody is living upstairs, whether it yeah. was just you and your husband having to sit upstairs, right? Mm -hmm. Or you and your five, four or five children mm -hmm. being upstairs mm -hmm. um, and then working in the middle of all that. That right. is a lot. Yeah. So Absolutely. for those of us, let's do a better job. I, I, this is a personal commitment of mine, but I really would like for us to do a better job of understanding where our friends are coming from mm -hmm. um, so that we understand some of the challenges they may be dealing with, even if it's just to be a listening ear. Right. So thanks for um, noting that because I did not think about how that would be impacting your your yeah, um, your I mean, life. It was, it was nine, almost nine months of our lives um, where we had to order out for every single meal. Like my kids loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, you still have the insurance element. You have all of those things, you mm -hmm. know, to deal with my mom um, included and, you know, just trying to make sure everyone is comfortable and, you know, still live. I mean, it would have been fine for us to, you know, insurance would have paid for another house, but where are you going to take six people? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, into into another space. But yeah, that's absolutely true. And and making sure that we're we're checking in on each other and just checking to just to make sure that we're each other is OK. OK. Now, tell me about your first dive into entrepreneurship. Well, my first dive was the first company that I opened, which was uh, CRCA, and shortly thereafter was Prisa um, that I had as well. Both of them were clinical trials, clinical research, um, management, site management organizations, and um, 
I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I loved going out and speaking with the physicians and um, meeting with patients, doing medical record reviews and things of that nature and just really teaching. I think I, I really liked the educational component of all of that um, and then understanding how important it was. It, it was it, it was um, it was innate for me um, mm-hmm. to to work with them, to teach them, to um to show them just how important this was. And then to also teach the physicians about another stream of income. Mm. You know, they didn't understand um, how lucrative working in clinical trials and clinical research Mm. could be um, because as a principal investigator, they are in charge. They already have the patient population and, you know, they're giving them the medications anyway. So Mm. why not be on, you know, the the beginning end of it to help to make sure that those medications are are well-suited for their patient population as well. So mm. that was my first um, introduction to it. And it went well, went very well. Um, I stopped only because I was pregnant with our, our second daughter and I was so sick. Mm. And as the product, the person that's going out and doing the work, doing the recruiting and doing that, um, I wasn't able to continue that. So I had some staff on um, and we were able to kind of close out the trials that we had. Um, but once I had our daughter, um, it was time to just make some money. Mm-hmm. I had been out for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, my husband and I made the decision for me to enter back into the, the workforce, which, you know, now I think, you know, he's just like, oh, you should have stayed in. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. You know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and um, and so, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying at my trying my hand at it again. Not there, trying, I am doing it again. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. So that was some that, that was actually a discussion that we had before we started recording mm-hmm. that she is indeed going back into the space. Mm-hmm. And tell me what you know. What was it that triggered that decision? What made you say, you know what, I, I need to take a look at this again? Well, I mean, since I left my last position, I have been in um, doing real estate investing, mm-hmm. and. I started that not for myself. It was really my husband and my old and our second son who had started, you know, we're going to do real estate, you know, just because, you know, you hear that the top 1% of, you know, wealth earners are in real estate, but it's not that they do real estate is that they invest in real mm-hmm, estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I think my husband and my son, you know, they, they, they understood that. And so they were going to these seminars and things like that. And so um, to get, you know, well abreast and knowledgeable about the, the the sub the topic area, and I came on. I was supposed to be the administrative because I know <laughs> growth strategy and operations. Mm-hmm. I'm very very detail oriented and mm-hmm. organized, and so my role was really to be their support system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't that just happen. That, 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 <laughs> that changed. changed. <laughs> so. My husband is still in it and, you know, we did it for a while um, and then, you know, he's working. And so his hours were just not, he didn't have as many hours to put into it as, as I did. And so I'm just like, you know, go on and, you know, you continue to work and you'll do it part time. And I was in it full time. And so mm-hmm. I work with a partner of mine. Um, she's out of Mobile, Alabama, mm-hmm. and she and I are on the phone day in and day out doing real estate investing, which is, you know, we um, purchases um, homes for buy and hold, uh, meaning you buy them and you hold them, you may resell them mm-hmm. or um, refinance and resell them later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to do some fix and flips in the future and then wholesaling as well. So, um, but we do that on a daily basis. Um, but as we were doing that, you know, just because I'm still in the industry, I still have colleagues that call me for consulting. Mm-hmm. You know, I still write proposals here and there for, you know, for special, um, special um, clients. And then, you know, just, 
it's still there. Mm -hmm. it, it's still in my heart. It's still a part of me because that health element hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. um, and so here recent, just, you know, watching social media just opens the world up for you to see everything that's going on, mm -hmm. you know, in the world. And so I had a, um, have had three colleagues, former colleagues contact me to say, Hey, we should start something. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, at first, the first one that called I was just like, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, because I was just so drained, just mm -hmm. so mentally fatigued from the pandemic all of it. And I was just, I needed a sabbatical mm -hmm. is what I needed <laughs> from the whole thing. And um, the second one came and, you know, she actually had a plan. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know, send it to me. I'll take a look. Mm -hmm. And then the mm -hmm. third is just like, this is what's going on. These are young women mm -hmm. who are in mm -hmm. the same space you were in before. They're doing the same things you were doing before. And look at just all of this activity. Because when I did it, there there weren't there was no competition. There was no one doing it. My competition when I got ready to come back after I had my daughter was a large pharma, mm. large pharma, large CRO, which is clinical research organization, who was here locally that I actually ended up working for. for <laughs> The one um, up 70. Yeah. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went and worked for them, mm -hmm. but they, no one was working with the mom and pop operations, mm -hmm. the mom and pop small practice, private practices. No one was there. But by the time I had my daughter and got ready to come back, they were. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was just like looking at it as a mountain, like, oh, I can't compete with that, you mm -hmm. know, which was I, I decided to go back, you know, fear, mm -hmm. uh, force me back into the, uh, into the, the, the workplace. But now it's just kind of, I, at that point knew how to run clinical trials and clinical research. I didn't know how to run a business. Mm -hmm. Hence, I went back and got an MBA. Mm -hmm where I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, I, I can do that now, you know, um, and now knowing all that I know, and feeling like it's still there, I have the knowledge, I want to, my, I want to use that and monetize it and, and just teach others and teach a new generation of research professionals um, that this is a business that we can be a part of, because they're, they're, are not a lot of us or enough of us in the industry. Mm, okay, bigger vision then. Bigger so vision. bigger vision, yeah. just like there was a bigger vision when you first did it. You mm -hmm. wanted to make sure, um, number one, like you said, um, you know, the black community, we are the ones that are taking, well, everyone, you know, yeah. all communities are for taking medications. Our um, population had, you know, I guess, certain chronic diseases mm -hmm. that are very prominent or mm -hmm. um, in our mm -hmm. in our communities mm -hmm. and just, uh, understanding their contribution by participating in the clinical trials. Right, um, right. You were, so that was a part of the education process, Absolutely. if I understand Absolutely. that Absolutely. correctly. Yes. Um, and which is interesting because I've always been very, very suspicious of clinical mm -hmm. trials. Yeah, we all are. Uh, we all which, are is also, which is also a part of why I left mm. clinical research and went into public health because mm. I just had ethical concerns, mm -hmm. you know, about yeah. just why yeah why yeah you you know everyone hears the commercials and then you hear this at the end of it with all of these side effects and yeah. all of these things but those things exist you know what i mean and so it's this the clinical significance of it all as to whether you know it works for you or it doesn't whether you you know need westernized medicine or whether you need holistic 
everything works differently for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so having us, you know, with our DNA being different, you know, now that we saw, you know, throughout the pandemic, just things work differently on everybody's bodies from race to individual to, you know, to Mm -hmm. whatever. And so I think that all of it is just knowledge, education and doing what's right for Mm -hmm. the individual and for the community and population at hand. And I love being a part of that as well. So um, very, very big change shifting from the work that you have done Mm -hmm. to moving into real estate investment. Mm -hmm. What was the feedback like from family and friends when you, you know, shared that, hey, I'm going to make this big change from this uh, position with your with, you know, with a very nice salary, right? (laughs) A very, very nice, juicy salary. Um, So what was the feedback from family and friends? Um, It was positive for the most part. My family, my husband and children were, they know that I always get things done. So they had no qualms. They were just like, oh, you're leaving? Okay. They didn't really, they were just like, what do you do? Really? Then along with my friends, mm-hmm. I was just like, what do you do anyway? You know, so they were very supportive. Um, my husband, especially, he's always been my rock. Just, you know, whatever, what are we doing today? Mm-hmm. And he, he, he's, 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 he's right there next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were fine with it. They know that I would make it happen. I would make it work. I just wanted, they just wanted me to be happy mm-hmm. at the end of the day. My friends were very supportive. Um, a, a number of them have become entrepreneurs themselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was really just kind of an exchange of just kind of how to make it work and how to make the transition. Um, but it, it's hard as a, a, as an entrepreneur because you actually work harder um, or you use more brain power nine times out of 10 than working a nine to five, because mm-hmm. you have to be in charge of your vision, mm-hmm. your growth, your operation, your mission, all your employees, HR, you're, you wear all the hats. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a lot more trying than any nine to five that you go in where it's scripted for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're, you're not being as creative as you can be in some industries. It just depends on, you know, kind of mm-hmm. which industry you're in. Um, I received the most flack from my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. from my mom mm-hmm. and um to her defense like i said she was on her job for over 30 years and for her she just could not understand still <laughs> still <laughs> today <laughs> i didn't know that cannot understand mm-hmm. who just leaves their job just to start doing so and what are you doing all day up there on the phone and, i mean she is just <laughs> So comical. And, you know, but for her, she's spoiled. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spoiled my mom mm-hmm. and she'll tell it. She has no problem saying, well, you spoiled me and I'm just used to having this and having that. And there is a growth curve, mm-hmm. you know, as an entrepreneur, as you're getting things settled and, and setting up shop and making sure that, you know, things are functioning the way that, you know, your family sometimes has become accustomed to. But um, she's really the only one. And she's supportive. She just doesn't understand it. Yeah. It's yeah. not her time. It's not her era. Mm-hmm. And times are changing and they'll continue to change even as I now watch my children, you know, um, go off into their lives. We have three that have already graduated from college and our last two are um, are in college now, a freshman and sophomore, um, our proud HBCU yes, attendees and grads. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Even watching them make decisions about what mm-hmm. career paths they'll take. Um, I'm, I have to switch and be supportive of them being supportive of me because I'm just looking to say which one is going to say they don't want to continue with college, you know, <laughs> which, which one's going to, you know, to say mm-hmm. it, but you know, as we did, I expected it of them, mm-hmm. you know, because if you don't do anything else, it, it, 
figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it, it's, it's been a transition and it'll continue to be a transition until we, you know, until we're no longer on this earth and in this plane. Hmm. So my next question is about mindset shifts, but I feel like mm -hmm. you've had a number already. You've had a, several mm -hmm. of them. So mm -hmm. when you first started your career, learned everything almost from the ground up mm -hmm. um, in clinical research, then mm -hmm. started your own business. That took a lot of gumption probably mm -hmm. early in your career, right? right? You were probably right. in your twenties, yes. let's say, going yes, out talking about she going long. Right. She did it though. <laughs> She had her yeah. own business going out, talking yeah. to doctors in her twenties yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, and only pulled back when you were having your second daughter. Right. right. And then, you know, made a couple of, you know, changes and not necessarily career changes, but, you know, found, found out what your expertise would, where it would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, and then decided, let me make another pivot um, try this real estate um, investment thing. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the mindset shifts, most the most recent mindset shift to shift from your career to real invest real estate investment, mm -hmm. and just just some thoughts about that. So I have all my my dad gave me the book as a man thinketh when I was I don't know five six. <laughs> wow, I still really? have the version <laughs> because. In the margins, I have my definitions of what I were right. <laughs> what the mean? words were right, what the words meant, because I was just that young mm -hmm. when he gave it to me, but it has taken on a completely different connotation for me mm -hmm. at this day and age. Mm -hmm. um, we have always taught our children, I mean, several of them have tattoos with that as a man thinking on, you know, on their bodies somewhere in some place, because we've thought that way, right? As a man. But now, older, wiser, um, it's now understanding that no, I am her. Mm -hmm. Like it is what I say it is. Mm -hmm. And mm. now I realize that everything and you know, and watching, you know, the the gurus of society um and and mental strategy and manifestation and understanding that everything in my environment is me pushed out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm, so understanding true. that my thoughts, my beliefs, mm -hmm. the way that I think, the way that I function makes sit, has everything around me situated and just so in a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. I um, just listened to a, a speaker the other day, Bashir, um, and he was saying how you smile. You smile when you smile, you smile in the mirror, smiling right back at mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're expecting something different, <laughs> When you look out, it's not going to happen yeah. because you are, it's a reflection of yourself mm. as you go and you operate from day to day to day. Yeah. Right. So my mindset now is understanding that it happens when I say it happens, mm -hmm. it happens how I make it happen. Mm -hmm. I am who I want to be. Yeah. If I want to be an entrepreneur, I don't want to, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, I am an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I am. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so that has been the strongest mind, sh uh, mind shift for me and my partner. And I talk about that mm -hmm. almost as much as we talk about real estate on yeah. a, you know, on a daily basis, as we're kind of just kind of keeping each other in check and understanding that 
this world we live in is what we we make it. Yeah, we absolutely. make we make it. And so that's that's probably been the the biggest thing and the most influential and the most impactful. Yeah, um, that I've been able to to learn and and live now mm -hmm. live in in this journey. Yeah, that's a great point. As a man thinketh, haven't read it yet. Oh, but yeah. I, I need to go. Yeah. I need looks like I yeah, need to definitely sure. add it to my library. Sure. Um, it's it's one of the many very books. small book takes you you know. It's it's small but mighty. Mm, that's good. Very small but mighty. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it shows you just, you know, it, it's belief. You yeah. know, we've we've talked about that a bit and just, you know, I, I sent something out to our friend group. Um some I don't know whether it was a video or a meme or something. And I'm just like, this will kind of help because a couple of them have asked, you know, how do you stay positive and how do you always because I'm always saying, you know, make it happen. Mm -hmm. you, you make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And um I sent it out and I said, this will help with mindset and believing in yourself. And you said, Oh, I was there last year. I got <laughs> <laughs> I just had to chuckle. I said that that would be the truth. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, but you were just like I. I learned to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. You've you've come to a point where I know that I'm in charge of it all. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. And and if you don't believe in yourself, or you believe that you're, you don't you don't get it, and I can't do it, and da 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 da, da and that that pity party, mm -hmm. you live in that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to clarify that when she says believing in yourself, she means going beyond confidence and going mm -hmm. beyond self-esteem. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. understanding that you truly are, I'm gonna say in control to in a control. certain right. In so control. and 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 as a mind as my think as a man thinketh, right? Really just kind of let that rep sit there and saute for a little bit. Yeah. It's you know, what you think is what you um what you are what you are and mm -hmm. and in the surroundings and a lot of things that are in our lives are a result of what's happening in our minds absolutely and so that's what um so so yeah. i'm so glad that you brought that up yeah. so tell me what you think an age has no limit life looks like to you mm. it's a life that i live work breathe play on my own terms mm -hmm. on my own terms um i still on a day-to-day -day basis, um, <laughs> we have a schedule. Even you know, we're entrepreneurs, but we have a schedule. We're on the phone at a certain time. We're off the phone at a certain time. We're available, you know, on the weekends and things like that. There's no weekend. We often, you know, kid each other. And we're just like, you know, we have six Saturdays and a Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it should all be happy times. Mm -hmm. Because you're working for yourself. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer making millions of dollars for my 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 company. I'm making those things for myself that mm -hmm. money for myself mm -hmm. and so as i now my husband and i are you know we can travel whenever we want we're recent empty nesters mm -hmm. just a couple of months you know so still getting used to this house with three people in it now mm -hmm. um but it's 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 making decisions to do what i want to do and so as i was saying we schedule time on but it still is <clears throat> challenging for me to say i'm gonna take a day off can I say that? You know, yeah. I, 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 I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna work today. Yeah. I, I'm gonna take a. Can I, do, I, I'm, I, can I'm, I can do that. You know what I mean? Without having to put in a leave form mm -hmm. or you know make sure everybody's where they need leave. to be. Exactly. Do I have the eight hour? Oh, right. 6 you know, right. You know. Well, for me, it was I would have so much leave time because I could never take time off. Yes. As a director, and I was been in leadership for many many years. 
I was always one of those ones that was at risk of losing time. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, when it rolls over at the end of the year, it's just like take time <laughs> off or you're going to lose it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but thankfully, you know, in, in, in public health and government contracting, you know, we have proposal season. So we would get a good two weeks off at Christmas or, you know, some some really good leave time. But it's it's living it on my terms where I can make decisions for myself. I can do what I want to do. And at the end of the day, I can be happy and have joy in my life and spend time with my husband and mm-hmm. my kids and my family and my mom when I want to. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I really, yeah. really, that's, that's, um, yeah. that is also something that um, is top of mind and a top priority for me. Mm-hmm. So do you have a bucket list? <laughs> I I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a bucket list because, you know, um, I hadn't had the time to sit and think about mm. what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our oldest daughter asked me some months ago, she was just like, mom, if you didn't have to do, you know, all the things that you've done over life and, you know, didn't have grandpa, you know, that was sick and mom and da, 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 what would you have done? And, you know, I tell you, to be honest, I told her, I said, sweetheart, I always did, and I've said this to you guys, you know, to my friend, my sister circle as well. It's just like, I've always done what I needed to do and what I had to do. So I never really had time to, to, or took the time to think about what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And now I have time Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some of the things on my bucket list are now to travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been raising kids for 30 years Mm -hmm. and we are, well, we're adulting now. (laughs) We're no longer raising and we're adulting. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we have time to travel. I miss that. We would see our friends traveling and on Facebook doing this and here. And I'm just like, oh, wow. They know. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting to do some of those things Mm -hmm. and start going out and doing things in this, in this beautiful city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, um, also to learn some languages. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Which one? Or which ones? Ones. Okay. Um, Spanish will be first, of course, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've already had years and years of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so be Coming fluent in in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I also want to um, learn ASL mm-hmm. uh, sign language. Mm-hmm. That's that's important to me. I don't know why. It just really is. I had a, a project that we provided ASL for mm-hmm. um, for the uh, ta- um, task force during the pandemic, and so that was just like I want I want to do that as well. Um, and then also to improve my game of chess. Mm. My dad was a master chess chess oh, player. I didn't know master, that. Yes. Yeah. And um, I would, he's no longer here, but mm-hmm. um, my husband and I, those are some of the things that we'll share and do together being able to, we always said when our kids were younger, we wanted to have days where we would only speak a certain language in the house, Spanish, oh, French, um, uh, and various other uh, Italian mm-hmm. um, languages. We didn't get to do that, but we will do it with each other as yeah. well. So that'll be something fun that we can do that and then playing chess as well. I like yeah. that. I like yeah. that. So um, it sounds like you guys are um, figuring out the empty nest. I wouldn't mm. say figuring it out. You're figuring yeah. out how to settle into it. Yes. Um, yes. So that's excellent. So yeah. um, tell. So you did actually share a couple of things on your, your bucket list. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I really do appreciate you sharing that with us yeah. and, of course, with the listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to come and share a little bit more about your life. Yeah. I actually learned quite a few things that I'd never known about you. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about 
having guests tell us a little bit more about their lives, mm -hmm. about their experiences, about their decisions, and also what an age has no limit life looks mm -hmm. like for them. Mm -hmm. So again, thanks to Dr. Erica Copeland. We forgot to talk about that. You got your PhD. I forgot we didn't get to talk about <laughs> Dr. Erica Copeland. I remember when mm -hmm. she was, um, you know, working on her PhD and just really, really proud of everything that you've done. Mm -hmm. She successfully <laughs> raised five children and um, again, she is also the epitome of what an age has no limit life looks like. Thank you so much, Erica. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please show your appreciation by subscribing. If you subscribe, you'll be notified for the next episode where I'll share my work from anywhere experiences in Portugal, Spain, Jamaica, Mexico, and a few other countries. I look forward to sharing those experiences and the experiences of the other amazing guests who share how they redesigned their lives to live on their own terms. Remember, age has no limit. Until the next episode.